Welcome to the Compadres Happy Hour, where friends meet to learn, help, and benefit from each other. I am your friendly neighborhood host and part-time bartender, Abdallah. Through a series of interviews and a few solo episodes, you'll meet some of my friends, those brave enough to let me record them, learn from them, hopefully benefit from their experiences, and get a glimpse into my dark humor mind. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes. Leave us a review and let us know what you liked, disliked, or where we can improve. Follow us on Instagram at Compadres Happy Hour, all one word. And you can follow me at Cardala. That's C-A-R-R-R-D-A-L-A. Cardala. In episode 28, my guest is soon to be Dr. Francesca Ali. Bachelor's of Social Work from FIU, Master of Social Work from Barry University, currently in Barry's doctorate program. She works remotely for a private clinic in New York. Francesca tells us how she began her path in the world of social work, from moving to New York and working for a nonprofit as a case manager in the foster care system, the joy she felt helping minors and their new families Having to leave New York City due to the pandemic, we discuss how some cultures view mental health and may deter you from seeking proper help. Francesca also shares her father's cancer journey and his mental health process along the way. So grab your drinks, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Today, my guest is Francesca, friend of a friend of a friend, and then I guess we're all friends. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little about yourself. What would the listener need to know to get to know you? Thank you for introducing me. Mm-hmm. I go by Francesca Ali. My Instagram goes by I am Francesca Ali. All my platforms from YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, you name it, and TikTok. But what I really do is I'm a content creator and I'm a mental health therapist. How did you get into that career? Yeah, oh, mental health. Currently, I actually got my degree in social work and my undergrad and my grad school career. I did both avenues of social work, amazing experience, internships, hospitals, name it. I've seen it all. Nonprofit. I actually moved to New York, mm-hmm. came to Miami. So I see all different neighborhoods. It's a whole book I could write about my whole career. Then, of course, at one point, I was like, I got my master's degree. And that's the one thing they don't teach you about social work. Mm-hmm. Other people don't know about social work. Mm-hmm. Ah, social work, you can do everything. It's so many careers you can do. You can work from government to from policymaking to, like, nonprofit to, like, even going to the point, like, open your own clinic, honestly. So I was like, you know what? Let me see what other avenue I can do with social work career. Of course, your master's degree, they teach you about trauma work. And I went to Barry University. I'm a proud Barry grad. <laughs> yes. I went to FIU too. Don't forget about FIU. <laughs> I remember day college. But I got my master's degree at Barry University. And it was a great experience. I worked with a lot of people, professional careers, so as a student. And as like right now where I'm at right now. The point is, I did it and I thought about, they thought about trauma. Trauma is a big word, right? So what can I do with trauma work? For eight months in my career at school, why not do with trauma work? I already learned about it, got certified about it, let's continue with it. So the point is, I graduated and it was a point in my peak of my career where I was stuck. I did not know where to start with that degree because a lot of things happened in my life. At that time, I actually was actually talking to a friend about this before coming here, about going to my school and then what job I have right now. It was a very hard choice to make of where I do see myself as a social worker. Social worker is a big, like I said, it's a big name. So it's a broad, it's a broad degree where like you can do anything, like I said, right? But do I want to be a therapist? Do I want to open my own clinic? Do I want to be licensed? And at that point, I had to find my niche. So one point, and I was like, hey, I gotta find you. My first job, once I got my master's, it was a shitty job. I'll be real right now. <laughs> it was the shittiest job ever, and I hated it. <laughs> Sorry for the profanity, but I had to be real. And I was there for six months, and I'm like, you know what? I cannot do this. Then after that, I went to New York, and it was actually a great job. I actually was one of the lead social workers for a nonprofit for foster care in the Bronx. So it was really fun. And I was actually one of the case managers, working with the kids and with the families. And I was such a great talker. Like, I was motivating people to seek change. Figuring out what they want to do in their lives with the kids, especially their mm-hmm. minors. Being in the foster care system wasn't easy. You jump around house to house and figure out who can love you. And then there you go. And the next time I'm like, you know what? I like talking to people. 
Should I be a therapist? Yeah. Because they teach you that in school. From individual therapy to group therapy to family therapy. And I was like, I miss that. Should I do therapy? And then at one point, I had to come back to Miami because of COVID. Pandemic happened. We all know the deal. I moved back. And it was for me to say, you know what? Let me figure it out whatever you want to do. I got a job as a therapist at a clinic here in Miami. And I loved it. And I was like, I'm going to stay as a therapist. And I feel like that kind of taught me to be as a mature woman where I am right now in my life. Is the mental health community, like the mental health professional community, a very close-knitted community? Man, that's a really good question. Now I think it is now. Back then, I think no one knew what mental health was. Mm. Let's be real, like before the pandemic, no one thought therapy was a necessity. And I'll be real, even myself, I was like, what is therapy going to do for me? Because I was close-minded before even going to school. I was like, oh, social work. And then I did trauma work. And I'm like, wait, I have trauma too. They teach you things about what a trauma can happen mm-hmm. to your body, to your mind, physical, mental health. And now I think mental health got bigger. There's so many ways to get therapy online, mm-hmm. telehealth, going to the clinic. Like, you have no excuse now. There's so many offers. Like, they offer so many services. Like, you can avoid therapy mm-hmm. options for you. But... I think it's getting tighter now because you can see there's so many avenues to get therapy anywhere. Yeah, no, not to be funny, but like <laughs> when I was a kid, I remember I used to love playing doctor and nurse. Yes. Like I love being the patient and I think that's the feeling I have. <laughs> like I'm the first one. I'm like that little boy that goes crying to mommy. When it comes to therapy, I'm like, oh, I'm there. Through her next girlfriend, she was telling me, oh, I'm going to therapy. And it was, like, I think it was during yeah during the pandemic she yeah. told me she found and they did it to like a video the tele, telehealth type yeah. of thing and i love it because like it would be with the job i do it would be hectic for me to go to a to a, to a site yeah and it's so oh yeah 10, seven o'clock let's meet up an hour therapy and it's because at this point therapy at the beginning it was me trying to find myself emotional intelligence but at this point it's just Having someone that knows me, but because being Hispanic, you were judged all the time. Oh yeah, we're not gonna see therapy for yeah. no reason. <laughs> yeah. So, if I were to if I were to tell things to my parents, yeah, or to family members, depending, like I'm very close mm-hmm. with Jesus, I'm really close with my sister. Oh, I'm sorry yeah. to pause you. Yeah. Jesus actually his cousin. That's yeah. how I know my lovely friend right here. <laughs> yes. doing an interview with me. So. Yeah, essential <laughs> foodie, three or five over there. Maybe here to shout out. We mm-hmm. love you. Yeah. <laughs> never brings free food just shows us he just shows up and doesn't know how to take care of us (laughs) but we love you we're starving yeah so like certain and i think it's just because we fear judgment and at least i fear judgment so it's good it's i love having someone the stranger yes that like i could tell things and even though sometimes i'm sure as as, your your patients i feel as as a patient i feel like just tell me the answer i need to know like what do i do to fix myself like right now yeah i can't get there spill all the beans and you're like therapist tell me how to solve this problem oh my god i get that all the time and i'm like listen it's not a race and i love that you mentioned that comment that because like we're hispanic we're latinos and latinas and it's like the community even now they're still not open-minded like i get i have teenagers who want to talk to somebody like how you're saying i want to know somebody that can talk to me because i'm telling you my first job as a therapist here like i had teenagers like from literally from the neighborhood and I grew up in Little Havana at one point too. I grew up in Brickell, first of all. I grew up in Brickell. So Brickell was the hood at one point. I'll be real, because I grew up there. It was a chill neighborhood. I'm not A-Rod, okay? I know that he said Kendall was the hood, but I'm not trying to compare myself like A-Rod, but I'm telling you, Brickell, how it was like 20 years ago, or I'm 20, turning 29 now. 28 years ago, it was a whole different scene. I had a house there, and that was a whole building, now you go there. But the point of the story was, Back in the day, you grew up in Brickell and it was like a very like suburban area, very close-minded. Mm-hmm. It was like more like family-central and single moms as well were growing up there, like very old apartment buildings and a lot of Hispanics too. Now it's like a whole different community out there. But I grew up at one point from Brickell to Little Havana. I jumped around neighborhoods and Coral Gables. So you see the different populations I worked with. Like yeah. I lived with, I went mm-hmm. got to know people. But now this day and age, like I said, my first job as therapist at the age of what, 27? No, sorry, 26 to 27. I actually got an actual job as a therapist because I was getting registered. Because I got my degree, you get your license, you're in the process of getting your license, and then you could work any clinic. But also as a registered clinician, in the process you could be a therapist because you're already trained in your master's program. 
then you can work at a clinic while you're being registered as a super well, a supervisor. And then when you're doing that, you get licensed. You can work anywhere or have your own hours, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But I know when I was working with teenagers in the Hispanic community, it was so hard because you could relate to them so much. But you want to help them so much where you really can't do mm-hmm. much. I could tell you things, but I hope they can learn from me. Yeah. And things I could teach them and they could take away with their families the next mm-hmm. generation. Because you want to break that generational trauma. And now you're saying that, and I can imagine as a male in the Hispanic community, that mm-hmm. therapy isn't the first choice they see. Yeah. No, but that's the way I broke it is I was, I'm a Sagittarius. Yeah, me too, yeah. baby. So I'm stubborn and I. <laughs> I'm not stubborn though. Yeah, so different. I'm stubborn to the point that, like, if I want to get things done, yeah. yeah. That's why I always warn people do not give me a bone. I'm like, like a dog with a bone. Mm-hmm. Do not give me an, an obstacle. Do not give me a problem because I will find a solution. Yeah. Like it might, it might violate some HIPAA laws. Yeah. But I'll, I'll get that solution, and it's always been that way. And I've made the mistake of saying that at a job interview, and I didn't get the job because I was like, I'll do whatever it takes to get you to get the solution. But anyways, what I do, I always put it out there. I'll talk publicly. Oh, my therapist is right. among friends, and I notice some people are, see it as taboo, and I understand why they say taboo. Just like in that that show, The Sopranos. And then they would have, oh, the boss is seeking therapy because it's weakness. People see it as a weakness. Oh, man, I get that. Yeah. Women. But I'm like, it's not a weakness. because I'm And, I, I, and I, again, I, I think I've said this many times. The whole, los hombres no lloran, or men don't cry, or you have to man up and all that. I get it. But here's the problem with that. I would like to say that a lot of times, because of suppressed feelings, is that you get in trouble. Because you see, it's okay for women to cry and show emotion. But if a man doesn't show emotion, he has to bottle that up. And eventually, some people can't handle it. And then we end up with like mass shootings, wives being killed, children being killed. Domestic violence, yeah. abuse, you name it all. Yeah. And then, and then, and like I know I've experienced that. If I'm able to be open about things, even if I'm being judged all the time, and I'm okay with that, you 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 have to know how far. I make sure that my ADHD medications is, is so people can see. And they'll read it, it says for at one point the doctor would put it for depression. I'm like, dude, do not say Adderalls for depression because yeah. it makes you know, louder. But it's concentration, all that. But but I make sure people are aware of it. I have this, I have that. And then sometimes I misconstrue it because I, I remember one time I, I tried to wean off my Adderall because eventually the heart and all that. Yeah. And people would see me had mood swings, but it's not, I was in mood swings. I was just, had to be more concentrated because obviously if I'm off the meds, I need to focus harder. Wow. And it takes a lot more energy for me. To take away from the, yeah. yeah the, and it was, the yeah. medication you're taking. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then people would think, oh my God, you're going to snap. I'm like, dude, Adderall has nothing to do with psychosis. Oh my God. Yeah. You're compared to Adderall? Okay. Yeah. I was like, it's just the ignorance. And I get it. I, I educated them on that. But that, I, I guess what I'm saying is that's what it is. In men, no, actually, no, let me say, in all gender. It could know? be men or women. Yeah, in yeah. men or women, or whatever you identify as, because it's the time to live in. Yeah, of course. It's uh, it's okay to seek therapy. It's okay. Whichever way. Even this. Even the podcast is a therapy. Because, like, I it, it, yeah, it's it's me talking. People ask me questions. I tend not to, divul- I tend not to divulge information right. unless you ask me. And you get to learn people. And I, that's one thing I think that, because I've always been, like, against, at least for me personally, against, like, group therapy. Because I'm like, nah, I don't care what your problems are. I want my problems. Solve my problems when I was younger. But now I learned, and even the intro says it, like, friends helping friends friends and you hopefully one learning from the other because you tell me a story and i'm like you know what i can relate to that story exactly and i have a you just gave me an idea for a solution and that's something mm-hmm. we i love that you mentioned that mm-hmm. thinking back what you just said so when you say when you share especially what you said about the intro when you share something hopefully you can learn something from it so i try to use this conceptual way with myself mm-hmm. as a therapist i'm a millennial i'm young but i'm trying to show off like i'm that young because you want to work with all ages right yeah I work with all ages, by the way. So currently, I work for a New York agency right now. Pretty much work with from the ages 14 and up. So it could be someone who's 50, 28, 29, 34, whatever. Or even 12 or 14 years old. Pretty. But like I said, I for some reason, like you mentioned that, like when you want to teach someone in your session, there'll be a time where they bring something up. So there's actually a term we, we go with that. So what we do in therapy is you don't want, you want, you like to share something, but not too much. So I'll little give an idea what we do, how I do it. So I try to relate so they can know I can relate to you, but at the same time is I'm going to teach you something that you can learn from me. So for example, like with a teenager that was like Hispanic, young mm-hmm. female. So her situation, I'm going to talk much more about it, but 
she didn't have, for example, like siblings to talk to. She has depression. She has all these things. So pretty much, I actually gave a little bit of scenario where I've gone through something like that mm. to the point where I could reach potential to find solutions to, to figure that out. And we went, we, we threw some basic, we did some techniques, we worked together, and it was really great because she was like, I couldn't appreciate the fact that you understood what I was coming from. That you're Latina, coming from a family who doesn't understand what therapy looks like because her parents didn't prove therapy at the beginning with. And then her dad's like, yeah, do it. And she was like, I wish you'd go to my school. She wanted me to be there and be a big sister. And she liked that. Because it's when you try to have a, like, a boundary, like, I'm your therapist. I'm not your big sister. I'm not your family member. I'm someone that's trying to help you as much as I could, right? In this journey, we're working out together. So especially in the Hispanic community, you want the connectivity with someone that can relate to you where you're coming from. It could be any background. Because I know when I worked at agencies, I worked with Asian Americans. Of course, they have their traumas, they have their situations from their own life likelihood of where they're coming from. So I try to compare a little bit, try to teach them something that I know about where they're coming from. And I learn from people who are other, like, Haitian American therapists. I take the work I take in and try to relate mm -hmm. to the work they do and then how I can resolve their issues. But I bounce back and I learn from other people. So I try to work with different backgrounds. And that's the beautiful, beautiful part of what I do. I love working with different cultures and different people and network. Because I want to see where they come from and I can learn that from that person's story. And I can learn the technique I teach them. Maybe I can work with other people. Maybe I'll work with for other, other cultures. And that's something we're actually come across because if you did not know, I did not mention, I'm a doctor student right now. So my goal is to be in the doctor of social work. And actually one of my research projects is cultured connectedness in therapy, but more of finding services of cultural, not to the sense of, oh, appropriate, but more, it, like, it's being more inclusive, like being more in the actual culture. Like for example, I could teach you a technique right now that could work for you right now in our Hispanic culture. But if I go to someone else who's outside our race, it won't work for them. Yeah. So I try to make sure we can bounce back from each other to the technique I'll teach you. So for example, there was one that says, oh, let's say for someone who's white American that works for a white American or whoever is more raised that likes to do yoga. You think my mom's gonna do yoga? Who's no. Hispanic, who's no. 60 years old? My mom was like, yoga? I can barely move my legs. So. My mom, for example, just started therapy not too long ago. So for her, it's more about like actually taking walks outside, finding self-care. That's more of like economic space, like mm -hmm. spaces for her, especially like she came from coming as an immigrant. So like she had to work as a working class American. Mm -hmm. So now she couldn't, she can't just go to a spinning class. She can't just go take yoga. Meditation can work for her at some days. So like I tried, we try to find her therapist, try to teach her something that works for her, for hate, her mm -hmm. age, her culture, and her background. So like, I'm trying to go with this is that I'm trying to include the work I do to make sure there is a connectivity between us, but as well I can teach, I can learn from other coaches that can work for you as well. Yeah, so, you, yeah. Have, you have to become Batman and Rich. add those things to your utility belt and, and make sure because I'm sure it's. I think I might be on a stretch here, but I believe it's Haitian Americans have there's certain things that men are ingrained in their mm. it, it, not, it's not machismo, but it's you're a man and this is how you're supposed yeah. to act. I see that like almost mm -hmm. from all races, mm -hmm. and it's interesting to see mm -hmm. where they come from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, and there's even some like superstitions or taboos that make no sense to our culture. You're like, yeah, but that makes no sense because. Because you, you see it clear, but they, it's like, like one of the experiments I always thought about is like, get an Hispanic and raise it in a black family. Then switch it around, and then, and I guess it's been done. Whereas there was this lady that was Asian, and she was raised in Jamaica. And when wow. she spoke, like, I, it was a teacher at Miami-Dade Kendall or Homestead. My, uh, my, my cousin-in-law was telling me that like, she had that accent. Like when she spoke, it felt like she was like cultural appropriation, but no, that's how she spoke. That's how she, she yeah, looked was Asian, raised. but had that whole Rasta because it was that's how she was raised. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's like where you're coming from, where you grew up from. Like even myself. So my background is I'm actually half Bolivian, Cuban Chinese. And I'm telling you, the people that always get mixed up, the first thing they see me, they think I'm from other places. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's okay. I'll take it. I love to learn what they first think of when they first look at me. I have the chinky eyes, mm -hmm. the skin tan. My hair is very weird. It's straight or curly, whatever it wants. But luckily, I can maintain it. it. Doesn't matter what I do with it. But 
growing up, I had learned different cultures to learn how to be who I am right now. So, I, for example, my mom taught me to be like, be more mature from my Bolivian side. My dad taught me to be more woman-like, my Cuban side, or whatever. It could be anything. Cooking could be my Asian side. So it's just I had to find what's appropriate for me as a woman right now, who I am with all these three cultures. And that's very interesting you share about that because I learned that from a lot of people where they come from, they teach from their, mm-hmm. for example, the foster care system. There's kids who are in the foster care system raised from different families. So they teach them what their culture teaches them to teach them where they are right now. They, I've learned from kids who came from like from Asian families mm-hmm. or Hispanic families, and they're like, oh, I learned this from my mm-hmm. foster mom. I learned this from my foster dad or my adoptive family. They adopted mm-hmm. me. And they, I love the way they, they raised me because it makes me feel like, okay, I can learn that from them. They're teaching me right now who I am as a mm-hmm. human being. So, yeah, like I feel like with the men, with the machismo topic, like even my father, he grew up with five girls, five sisters. He was the only male. So imagine mm-hmm. like they could be themselves, they could cry, they could scream, but you as the only male figure, imagine all the pressure to be like, I have to be the bigger person and not be like them. Yeah. yeah. And I'm telling you, it's not to toot my own horn, but I really do based on like the therapy or learning or, or reading and you learn from other cultures, all that. Like I really do, like personally, I, I strive to be original. Yeah. Which isn't like you say you're original, but then you, you're always <laughs> mimicking someone else. So are you really original? Anyways, you try to form it in your own way. Yeah. But I'm very open. My previous guests, Julie and Katie, were telling me like, "Oh, you're so open about things." I'm like, "Yeah," because while I might disagree, and that's a whole thing. Like, for example, like I told you, like one was pro life, one was pro choice. The whole recent yeah. Roe versus Wade. Or I've always welcomed. Hey, if you think the world, if the Earth is flat. I might disagree with you, but I would love to have you here because I want to know. I want to know how you got to that thing. Because to me, it's interesting. I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to edit the, the I'm not going to make... Yeah. yeah. Like, I want to know. Like, my sister always tells me, because my mom is very religious and all that, and I tend to, like, always have a joke here and there. Yeah. And then my sister looks at me and is like, for someone that really is not religious, a lot of information. And my, always, <laughs> my thing is always, yeah, know your enemy, type of thing. But in reality, it's because you want to learn what they believe everyone believes um, at the time I remember growing up like Cubans and Nicaraguans were against each other when I remember when I was younger it was always tira flecha tira piedra this and that like that and now and like the same way now you have Venezuelans Colombians like you, you, the you, recent you, ones yeah, yeah the you, recent you see the clashes and in a couple of years it's gonna be gone and we're gonna choose someone else yeah, yeah. because that it's human that. nature to, to for example obviously you're Boliviana so Central Americans will be like, oh, the South Americans are, think they're higher than us. Oh, that's even us with our other South American countries, yeah. like Argentina, Chile, yeah. like our neighbors, even Peru. Yeah. I'm just like, why? Like, I remember I have a friend that's Peruvian, and he was he would always, Ecuadoriano, they llamaban bonitos, because when they had the war, yeah. yes, Ecuadorians would get on top of the on top of the trees mm-hmm. and shoot at uh, during the civil wars or whatever. Yeah. I like, find it funny, it's a joke, but it's, it's human nature to, to create animosity yeah. within each other. Now you say that, I know we're going a little bit like yeah, off topic, yeah. but as a therapist, like I think over time, my career, I think as myself and my personality, I feel like I love how you mentioned you are like, let me learn about you though. Let me see what your side looks like. But I'm not going to say I'm not your friend anymore. I actually want to learn about why you go through that side of like why you choose that part of, let's say, the pro life and pro choice topic. You want to be in the middle and learn both sides. At the end of the day, we're all friends. They were your friends, right? So yeah. it's like me with my group of friends, like we have our own opinions. I respect everybody's opinions. It's like me as a therapist. I respect your opinion. I respect your approach. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. What's that word? I'm not gonna judge you. Yeah. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to support you. I'm here to see what you need to do. Like at the end of the day, that's who I am as a person, and I feel like that's why I became a therapist because I feel like I always had this open mind and open book policy about myself, my friends, and my family. Right? Like I love learning what they're coming from. I love their cultures. I love like learning different things about them. Like. I have my opinions, I have my choice, but I love to be myself, but at the same time, if my best friend is the opposite of what she thinks of how I feel, that's okay. I'm gonna hear you out. I'm gonna respect your opinion. Especially right now, like how policy making is going and political factors, just, both sides are clashing and cultures are clashing. It's like, where is the togetherness? Like, why are we not together? Why are we not becoming as one as we should be? But we have to respect everybody's values. And I feel like I have that personality where I respect everybody's mm-hmm. values so much. And it's such a, a wonderful talent to have, a wonderful yeah. point of view. 
because like it, it's which I'm I, I'm, I, I'm not going off topic, but like, I was never a Star Trek a, a, a Trekkie, a Star Trek like that. And when I got older, I really watched them now. I never watched them. But one concept that I always sit by is the fact that if you watch any Star Trek, the concept is that you have various type of humans, species. Yeah, different like places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. have an issue, they find a way. Yeah, and then they have war, but then eventually they become friends. Trying to understand. Which, unfortunately, I believe that we'll never get there because humans think. I'll bring you the story about. I remember when I was in the military, I was Navy, and like within the system, they were like, they were created army against Navy, and then the Navy, which is the same department of the Navy, the Marines, and like the whole hatred. And they were like, oh yeah, it's like brotherly love or sister They will say that. But I'm sorry. I have never gotten like that with my siblings. I'm like loving, like we might bicker, but it's not that level of like hurting them, mm-hmm. like intentionally trying to bully them. Like never, at least for me, it's never been that way. It's uh-huh. always like you stick to your ground, like you protect this person at all costs. But I don't know, like but I see that's what it is. Like it's outside factors always trying to create separation. You could say media, you could say government, whatever. But I noticed, I see it all facets of life. I remember there's some people that don't understand, like within the family, I remember that they're like, oh yeah, one of our aunts passed away from cancer and they were like, oh, she never told anyone. Oh, and she was depressed. And then there's people that don't understand that. And I'm like, yeah, because you don't want to know. If you keep yourself blind, of course you're not going to hear about Like close-minded folks. Yeah, and yeah. I have it, so, and I know, thank you for sharing about that. Like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. very sorry about that because mm-hmm. same thing with my father, mind you, he just had a cancer like mm-hmm. two years ago. Yeah, 2020. It was 2020. I'm like, oh my God, what year we are? <laughs> but not to cut you off, but I can relate to you because when my father had cancer, he was already to the point where he's like, I'm just going to die. And it was scary. I'm like, dude, I just found out you had cancer on my own birthday. Like, mm-hmm. really? But he's, I'm just going to die. Because he was close-minded. He thought that was like his death penalty. That's it. It's over. And I'm like, why are you being so negative? Because the thing is, the people around him that he hangs out with, at that time, it was men, Cuban men, close-minded. I'm not trying to like single out people, but mm-hmm. I'll be real. Oh, sorry. But it's naturally Like, there. they literally just came to this country, mm-hmm. then very trying to find a mm-hmm. positive light. I get it. But my father hang out with men, like, on the community, mm-hmm. like, to a, a whole different approach of people. And, like, I'll be real. And uh, they were very close-minded. And I'm like, of course, I'm not going to, like, single out them. But, like, I know that their own traumas, their own issues. But but my father literally was hanging out with people, like, who weren't, like, coming from our family. Like, our family is full of positivity, open-minded. My mom's very open-minded. My mom was like, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. There's always going to be a, what's that word? Like, a signal that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, during that transition, because of the pandemic, he found new friends, and it's fine. But he was like, oh, that's what they said. I'm going to go what they think. And I'm like, that's not how we think. Oh, I'm there with you. That's one of the biggest things I fight. And it's conspiracies. Like like I said, I'll accept you. But when it comes to certain things, I will have to make a stand. Oh, me dijo mi amigo. Oh, no, because I saw it on Dr. Oz. And know, all these, yeah. and these <laughs> stupid ideas. Yeah. And I'm like, and like I, I worked, when I was in the military, my last two years, I worked oncology and hematology. So I saw leukemia and all that. And I will tell you, I mean, I, there's sometimes like, like they had hope. So w- one lady, she believed, it was right now when John Paul II died, the time she believed that in that Catholic faith, they be- she believed that he has three miracles in order to become a saint. Yes, but, yeah. But she believed that she was going to be saved by John Paul she mm-hmm. passed away. But I saw some people taking like nano or some other things, which I don't know if it was related. Oh no, some guy did alkaline water and I would see like something, like some things coming out of like, like it really like hands. I don't know what they were. Right. It looked like donuts, like coming out of his skin. Yeah. I mean, he was a Buddhist and that man survived. And so everyone started getting like these, taking these meds, taking all these homopathic, which I'm okay, man, if it works. But I'm telling you, that's one of the factors I realized. If you give up, you're out. And, and that is a big flaw that yeah. when you give up, it's like you're just handing yourself to death. Exactly. And then going at that, it's very interesting you say that because my father, like, mind you, he wasn't big on religion. He just believes whatever comes his way. Like, he has a lot of faith when it happens, when it does. Like, he needs a miracle. He's like, I gotta pray. And I'm like, not to touch on religion, but our family was raised Catholic. Yeah. And, like, my mom and I, we always go to church every Sunday, like, 
when we can at the time because you know my mom didn't drive my mom doesn't even drive to this day so <laughs> i now i drive her around but my father like he would try to be faithful to his religion to ours in the catholic system but like i said going with the, the cancer thing like he was so close minded because the energy he was getting from other people like you said whatever they teach you from others I don't know where he got this information from. He's like, oh, if you just get cancer, you're just going to pass away. And I was like, dad, that's not the end of the world. Like, you have this cancer, but you can get cured. There's a possibility you can be fined. And then there's a thing where I came in, where I was like, we find an organization. Thankfully, this organization is like a few blocks away. This organization is called Liga Contra Cancer. And this organization was include services, like therapy mental health therapy, getting chemo, a lot of services they provided. And I had to tell him like, let's free? do this. Free? You took, yeah, you show him. I can't remember the process exactly because my mom did it with him, but we had to provide documentation. He's low income, X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah. Cause he wasn't working as he used to work before. He makes less like he used to be, just saying. Mm-hmm. But, cause my parents don't do their taxes together. It's a separate thing. It's just on him. So it's yeah. gonna be on his budget. But like I said, my dad doesn't work that many hours anymore because he has has his illness. So luckily, this organization was there to support us to the point where like they provide all these services. Of course, he's getting negative energy from other people that he shouldn't be getting. And of course, me and your daughter as a therapist, like that, work with people who want to be better for themselves. X, Y, and Z. My mom is very open-minded, very great person. Loves to teach people positivity things and things to be like, oh, it's okay. There's things we can figure it out. There's a solution to everything, and that's the one thing I offer my mom. But my dad, for some reason during that time, I'm not sure where he got it from. I'm not sure who we spoke to. But some neighbors, we have some neighbors around the area that were not that great. I'm not gonna be, I'll be real. Cause the pandemic, that's all we he could talk to. And I don't know where he got the information from. And I was like, why are you being so negative? And the reason I bring that up is that mental health, physical health, mm-hmm. emotional health, it can be compromised by toxicity of all levels. And mm-hmm. just like the same way if you take a poisonous mushroom, you'll get ill. People, like when they say misery loves company, it's true because they will destroy you. They're having a bad time. And it's kind of like, you ever had someone snap at you and you're like, what the hell? I didn't do, I didn't do anything. But it's because someone destroyed or they themselves. It triggered them. Yeah. So that they, instead of saying, admitting, I have a problem, I need to not take it out on anyone, but fix it myself, it's easier to be like, it's your fault. It's blaming game. It's the blaming, yeah. Uh, and that's something mm-hmm. where we had to teach them, don't blame yourself because you got sick. Mm-hmm. It just happened by, we just have an inheritance from my family. We actually have mm-hmm. family history of sickness like that mm-hmm. from his side. So from the organization, they taught him like, oh, yes, you go to therapy because this is something new. Be educated what you have. Figure it out how you can get better. And luckily from that, we took the toxic people that was mm-hmm. involved to get better because I was like, I told him, I think you need to go to therapy. I feel like that's something, I'm just saying because I'm a therapist. I think it's something that you need to learn about because they teach you how to, what is this that you have? How you can like, oh, how what could affect you in the long term, mentally and physically, because you never know what happens if you do get better or not get better. Yeah. And you want to have these conversations with yourself. Oh, what can I talk? And it triggers, right? It snaps mm-hmm. on you. There'll be times where he's on medication. Like I, I had to remind myself he's on medication. He's on medication. My new mood swings happen. Mm-hmm. He's gonna change his personality. Did change a little bit. And I had to remember he's on meds. He's on meds. He just had chemo. He's not himself. Like, I had to be positive. And I hate saying the word positive, but Mm -hmm. I had to be positive because I didn't want to change my personality when he snaps on me. And luckily with me, I was able to sit back and be like, you know what? You're just upset right now. That's not going to affect my day. You can be upset, but it's not going to upset me right now. You're just having your moment. But luckily he got better over time. He's cancer free, thank God. Now he's being more open-minded, mm-hmm. he's listening, he's engaging, he's actually learning what he had. He talks to his therapist now. Yeah. And as a male figure group of a lot of women, mind you, he raised three girls, my mom, four sisters, what male figure he had. My, his, my grandfather passed away too young. Yeah. So he had no one to look up to and talk to. He had his grandfather, my dad, no, sorry, no, my dad's uncle, my dad's great uncle. And he, but he the far, 
but he was like his father figure before mm-hmm. before his after his dad passed away. So he didn't have a lot of male figure potential to talk to what he had. He had people around him that were toxic. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And which, that wasn't helpful. Which I was to tell you, by removing the toxicity, because I was laughing when you were saying, like, yeah. internally, because <laughs> I was going to tell this, I was going to say this, that, I mean, my solution, because, you know, I'm always looking for the silver lining. Yeah. My solution was like, hey, dad, look, you love talking to people, you love talking to all these people that are giving you all these advice, why don't you talk to the therapist? That's someone to talk to, because I'll tell you, personally, one of the biggest things about me going to therapy, talking to a therapist it's someone to talk to and anyone can tell you I love talking you can't like yeah I've, I've told I've seen the people's faces when oh, they start talking to me and then as I keep talking and talking I can see in their face the regret for like why the fuck do we talk to this guy because I won't stop yeah unless you stop me because it's just like it's me sharing information and I think it's a Sagittarius thing because yeah. we love to talk yeah. <laughs> so yeah so like so that's how it is like so a lot of people were like, don't believe in therapy, this and that. But I'm like, it's okay. Don't believe in therapy. But you don't have to talk. Okay, fine. Don't talk to someone else. Find a new way of therapy. Go fishing. Go do something that clears you, gets you out. Meditation, yoga, Yes. Whatever. Or yeah. anything you, or you know, like, I think I, when I tell people yeah. construction yeah. therapy. Yeah. Or construction skills. Because I can say as for a male, is they try different solutions. Like, I can tell mm-hmm. you when I did therapy for a lot of ages for male recently i noticed the past year and a half like i spoke to different men and i can see where they're coming from and what you're saying different races and how they were raised some didn't have male figures in their lives some didn't have their dads in the picture some were raised by a single mom they didn't have no one to talk to they were relate to didn't have a mentor so they had to figure it out how can they become themselves and that's what they get for movies, social media. Like, you gotta be this person, you're gonna be this type of guy, you gotta be this person type of male. And uh, I could say, for example, my boyfriend had my ex boyfriend, not boyfriend, sorry, I'm single. My ex boyfriend years you got, ago. You heard that first. I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> I've been single for four years, but my actual, I'm trying to say is like my boyfriend at the time, years ago, I can't remember, like, single mom raised with two males, but no male figure. So he couldn't find what can be solved for him like things like he would like to have this conversation with a father figure oh he had to grow up from different people around him like toxic there's people who are toxic to him but he got that toxic information from them so he will carry on with that and i feel like he kept it in and it kind of affected me in the Mm -hmm. long term because he was in a relationship happy but he couldn't handle himself yeah. when he got upset, when it triggered him. Something comes up, he's like, oh, I got, he, he'll fire back the mm. narcissism way. I had to put, I remember I was very young. I was like very 21 at the time. I was 21, 22. And I had to put, sit back and I'm like, this is a red flag right now. It's not that great. But I didn't see that at the time. Now I'm older, mm. I'm wiser, I'm getting older at the time. Now I look back and I'm like, oh shit, he was going through a lot. Because he's a young male figure at 21. And he just snapped at me. And what do I do? Do I leave? Do I break up with him? Do I just figure it out? Find help for him? I didn't know what therapy was yet because I didn't start working until I was 26. So I was like, that's like I said, when you you mentioned the first topic, is the mental community more tighter now than before? Back then, there was no such thing as therapy when I remember out. I'm telling you, I just thought about like, he needs to talk to someone else. Like, I didn't know who someone else was. I thought about like a friend or something. But anyway, the point is, I feel like I wish he had someone to talk to than yeah. how it is now. Because nowadays, now it's bigger than ever, the community. Because, like I said before, there's so many options out there to get therapy. You can find therapy online, telehealth, on the phone, video camera, in person, and just get see or we diagnose with from a psychiatrist to see maybe I do need some medication mm-hmm. or don't need medication. There's other ways, there's other avenues. So at the time with my ex, at the time, like I said, going back to the topic, I feel like before if there was therapy, he would have needed it. He would have had that, and it would have been so much better. Where he oh, was yeah, right now. definitely. A lot of people walk, working the industry and seeing the low, the lower end of right. like the working class. The working class. I see it. I'm like these people need therapy, uh, and it's and, and it varies. And like I, I was telling the story to my uncle, that Central American restaurant. I walked in years ago, and this went the business. And I saw the verbal abuse that a owner was telling the employee. And I looked and I was like, if this lady knew her, if this lady knew her rights, this lady would be done. And then once this late this same lady was using that same loudness with me, and like I said, I'll take the hits, 
emotional hits and all that. But if it's once it's like friends or family, I'll jump. For example, right now we're out there and someone did it to you, I'll jump in front and be like, hey, yeah. calm the fuck down. But if it was to me, I'm like, because to me, I find it funny. I yeah. find it really funny that someone has the audacity to talk to me. So that lady was talking to me and I looked at her and just, I said, okay, and I walked away. But I'll tell you, I didn't have to say anything. And the next time I saw her, she was more respectful. But to me, because to me, I'm telling you, it's very, like, human behavior has always been intriguing to me. Because I, 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 I sit there and I try to humanify it. Sometimes I get in trouble because I'll start talking like, <laughs> like, like dictators. I'm like, oh, I want to know why they like that. Especially when you grew up in the military. Yeah. Trying to be yourself, but also like you have the discipline aspect mm-hmm. to it. You have different things they teach you over time. It's like you still have that inside yeah. of you. Yeah. Like the reason I was telling the, the, my, my other guests, they're like, oh, yeah, I, have, I, have, I do have anger issues and this and that. And they look at me like, how? And I'm like, because I know how to control them. But obviously, there's a point that like you talk, like your cup fills up and you have to empty it. Yeah. And, and then, like, so like a lot of times, I remember we were playing this game and it was like, oh, like it's like a drinking game. Like mm-hmm. one, one of you, which of the friends around needs anger management therapy? Ooh. And then people were pointing at, at each other or? At, at the girl. And I raised my hand, I was like, I do. And they're like, no. Oh, this Ooh. one. And I sat there and I was like, oh. That's great that I could hide it so well, mm-hmm. which is sometimes like when therapy, I always sit there because I, I like, okay, therapists and my physicians always like, oh, you're such an easy patient. So, oh, when I say that, how do you feel about that? I laugh because I'm like, then I'm because it makes it, it's like, you remember, silver lining. So I'm like, I'm really good at this. I'm really good at hiding some emotions. Now you say that, do you feel like a lot of men hide their emotions easily? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Because I'll tell you this, like I've tried to become more open. My therapist. When I get recommended my therapist, the first time I see her, I'm like, I looked at her and I was like, oh my god, this therapist reminds me of my ex-girlfriend. She's from Philadelphia, this and that. All these like, little things. Yeah. That I was like, oh, she reminds me of her. Yeah. So I confronted okay. her. I told my sister, she said, oh, that's a, uh, I forget what it's called. When you fall in love with your therapist, it's residual, something like that. This, I forgot the name. It's like, mm-hmm. oof. It's like, what, what time is it? It's like almost two in the morning. Yeah. We're all here. Like, What's the term? So I, con- <laughs> I know what you so mean. So I confronted her. I was like, listen, I, this is how I feel. This and that. And that. The funny thing is, once I said that, it was gone. The feeling was gone. Because you nipped it in the butt. You you, you acknowledged it. Which is why, my pre- in the previous episode, they were asking me, like, if you want to get, if you, if, let's say you're, you were dating someone, or you were dating, not a relationship. You might even mess around and all that. And like, how do you tell the person that, how hey, you feel? Yeah, how you feel? Like, hey, listen, I, I, this ain't gonna work out for me anymore. Like, you, you try to, you, you try, you, like, do you ghost to them? What do you do? And my opinion is like, look, it's gonna be painful, but just tell me the truth. How, that's how it's gonna be horrible. You like I, to be honest. Yeah, and just be honest. Clear cut. Yeah, yeah. Cut, cut it right away. That Kim Wilde song, "Don't keep, Baby, Don't Keep Me Hanging On." Like you know, because you're, you're building hope. Right. On something that's not gonna be there. If you're gonna break up with someone, do yeah. not wait two years to fucking tell them that. Like, don't, don't waste your time. It's painful, don't get me wrong. It, it would take a lot. I, Cause I like, usually I'm the one that, I was telling the girls, I manipulate yeah. the situation so that they break up with me so I don't have to be the bad guy mm. when I was younger. Until once I had to like be the one that, that breaks up the, with the other person. It was hard, but I actually respected myself more. Wow. Because you nip it. You're like, look, you're, you're honest with yourself. You're honest with the person. But I think, yeah, so that, that's one thing. If more people, like in general, like men, women, are, were honest with each other or honest with the other person, then we would avoid so many emotional damage. I agree. I'm, like right now, like I said, I'm single. Yes. <laughs> but I love that you talk about this topic so strongly. Mm-hmm. And I get that because, look, I'm turning 29 this year. Oh my god, I know. But at the same time, I look back and I'm like, why are people like still playing around? I am the same way. I don't know, it's a Sag thing. I'm mm-hmm. not sure because of who I am. But I try to put that as like in my therapist's shoes and like my human shoes, and my therapist hat, and my personal hat. But when I take out my therapist hat, I still have mm-hmm. a little bit of personality as a therapist too. I want to be clear cut and I'm going to skip to the chase and be like, this is how I really feel. You got to get this done and get it work done. Yeah. And that's it. But that's how I really am already growing up. I'm very disciplined of how I really feel. I'm going to tell you how I really tell you right now. And let's get it done. I'm not afraid to speak up. And that's something where a lot of people, I feel like a lot of men feel like a little intimidated. Oh my gosh, she's so strong. And I'm like, I'm just letting you know how I really feel. Like, listen, we've been dating for a while. What's going on? Are we going to get somewhere? Yeah. But I'll let them know, hey, I'm very interested in you. And so what do you think about us right now? And then, listen, I don't, hard feelings, 
it's okay. I'm open to learn. I'm open to understand. If you don't feel anything right now, just let me know. Because I want to make sure we have the same energy right mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Because if we're together in the streets, we're going out in the club, we go to the bars, or we're going to go to, let's say, to a restaurant, or going to the walk in the park. I want to make sure where our energy is going. Yeah. Are we matching or mismatching? We're socks. We're not matching socks right now. So I try to <laughs> use that metaphor. But I want to see where we at because I'm not gonna sit back and wait for you. I need to know where we at right now. And that's just who I am. And it sucks to say, but it's who I really am. So when I go to my therapy work, when a, parent, when a patient's like lacking their self, like lacking, not self-interest, sorry, lacking their skills. Like, oh, I don't wanna do this week. I don't wanna do this tomorrow. I don't wanna go. I don't wanna talk to no one. Let's say a scenario, right? I had a client where, let's say, I'm giving an example. I'm not sure if it's real or not, but an example of what I'm trying to go with. I'll tell you this patient, hey, I'm going to give you these skills. I'm going to see what's going to go because we make, make treatment plan goals, right? Mm-hmm. Make these goals list. It's called treatment plan goals. You guys know what it is. If you're a therapist or a social worker, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> TPR is treatment plan goals. We make these goals because there's a timeline. Yes, because we want to make sure where we at in three months. We had six, we had for the next year. Because I even when I did group therapy with the moms, I used to work at a women's shelter. I'd be like, okay, we have these four classes together, these group classes together, this group therapy class together. I'm gonna give you all these skills. Now it's up to you to learn these skills and take upon these skills <laughs> and go back out there and see where you go with these skills, right? I'm not gonna monitor you after therapy. It's on your own. Because the reason is there's a timeline for these things. Mm-hmm. So when I'm dating someone, there's a timeline with these things, right? Yeah. So I'm like, what's our goal in this relationship? What's mm-hmm. our goal of us being together? Mm-hmm. What's our goal for next year? Because it's like any relationship. You want to know where your end goal is. Is it marriage? Is it family? Is it, who knows, traveling or going somewhere? No, no, absolutely. And like, I, and I, yeah, like I tell you, I, I, my, my, one of the things I'm constant is I try to be upfront. I'm like when I'm dating people, which I mean, like myself, apparently to the to, to my previous guests, yes. I'm a serial dater because mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize exactly. that because I was like, I, but I guess the reason I say it's because like I consider dating if you want if you go out and meet someone new. Yeah, doesn't mean I'm like serious in a relationship, but it's like constantly. But anyways, when I do, I'm very upfront. Like this is my beliefs. This is what I do. This and that. If it doesn't work out, it's great. We could be friends. But this is what I. This is the core concepts right. of me. And then one thing you're, you're saying, as a therapist, how do you fight when you see the potential but you can't push? Oh, like what? What do you mean by that? Well, clear. Like you see the like they telling like the patients telling you, ah, oh, this happened, this that. Like I know my tendency when I was younger was like, dude, shut the fuck up. This is the solution. Just take <laughs> like, it. Like this is the advice I'm giving you. Call yeah, it a day. Like like dude, oh, why okay, do you keep why do you keep coming back with the same issue? Bro, you are, I, you, yeah. Because I mean, that's my, I, I had to learn how to, and let people just talk and listen and hold back, not to like over, because like I feel, yeah. yeah, I'm very good at manipulating situations for, to, for them to work out. You want to be like, this is what I'm going to tell you what to do right now. Mm-hmm. I know I can give you an example right there. And I love that question. Mm-hmm. I now understand. I got it. Yeah. I get what you're saying. So, for example, this is Francesca speaking, not therapist friend. Okay. Francesca speaking. I had a friend that wanted advice about X, Y, and Z. Just because I'm a therapist. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to be your friend right now. I'm going to tell you how what I think about it. And I'm be like, just do it. You want to say it's going to the gym. Oh, but I want to work out, but I don't have the time, all the energy. But why don't have the time and energy? I'm very clear cut. Figure it out. Let's go find the solution. Why X, Y, and Z? This X, Y, and Z. All right, let's get this done. Let's get it done. Because I feel like they could do it. Because I already know who they are, X, Y, and Z. But let's say it's just a person that I don't know. It's a new mm-hmm. client. And they have this solution, this issue. I mean, sorry, not solution. They have this issue they're facing right now. And we have to be honest. This is how I work. Every Everyone's different. Mm-hmm. Every, all therapists are different styles. How do you want to do things? How I do things is, like I said, we're going to go through this plan together. Let's go through this weekly and figure it out let's, what, what's the setback. Why are you setting yourself back? What happened to next week? Why didn't do the skills? Let's try this week. Let's try something different. Sometimes every technique, like I said, is not the same for everybody. So if I could tell my friend, go to the gym tomorrow, but let's say this client's issue is, let's say, like health-wise. Like, I want to lose weight, but I can't because I got three kids. I have a, I'm a, I work full-time. I don't have a car. It's, what solution is there for that? 
But let's say my friend is like, I have a car, I have no kids, I'm <laughs> single. All right, you can go to the gym tomorrow. Make Dedicate yourself. You can do that. But then I have a patient that has all these issues already ahead of her. Uh, or him, it doesn't matter who it is. But you got to find what is the solution based they can do while they're at home, when the kids are at school. It depends. Every story is different. Yeah. But I try to look as there's different strategies to get there. Or let's say when it comes to, let's say, a client is having is facing something where it takes time to get there. It could be how they feel. Like, it could be death. They're facing death in the family. You can't, trust me, that's a big one. Not you can like, it's not easy to heal. You gotta take time to heal. It could be depression. Depression is a bit, another topic. Yeah. It takes time to heal to get better. Because depression is not cured overnight. Like, I remember in the beginning of the, the podcast, there is like saying, oh, we could tell this person, oh, you get over it, you'll be fine. Yeah. But honestly, let's be real. In our community, our Latino community, when you bring up that word, they think, oh, just forget about what happened. Yeah. How are you going to forget about what happened? And it goes back to, I think it's because we live off experiences. Exactly. So if you've never experienced depression, if you've never experienced a loss, mm-hmm. it's kind of like back to the whole Roe versus Wade I was telling you earlier. I can't give my honest opinion because I don't have, as a person, as a human being, I have what I believe in, but I do not have... But you can't relate to it. Yeah. So yeah. how can I give you, you should do this. How can I give you advice if I've never experienced mm. miscarriages? I've never experienced a period. I've never... And I see those tests. Oh, they put... Yeah. A, 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 an electrical shock is not... Cramps. No, it's not like yeah. the same as what yeah. a woman would feel. I yeah. know. I see not on YouTube. I'm like, oh, it's fun to watch. Yeah. But, you know, how things yeah. are going. Yeah. Fast. So it, it's... And I see a lot, like everyone, like, and, and then my previous guys were talking about that. Like, I was asking, is there anything you can tell? They're like, yeah, it depends a friend. I can tell a friend this, and then I know this. But I can't tell some friends this because they'll, they'll give me advice. And the advice, it's not like, you should do this. It's more like they're trying to force you to be something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which is, again, I love this podcast as therapy because it, it teaches me my previous mistakes. Come back next week when we conclude our interview with Francesca Ali. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope you will come back soon. Remember, episodes release every Wednesday. Be sure to check out some of our other episodes. And if you want to participate, let me know. I am always happy to make new friends.